I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On today's podcast, my guest is actor and writer Anna Linda, who joins me to discuss her TV series, A Beginner's Guide to Grief. My name is Justin Hamilton, and my solution for grief is two parts gin, three parts vodka, and a healthy dose of big squid. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to be presenting this episode today because it's with an incredible talent who also happens to be a pal of mine, Annie Lindner, whose new show, A Beginner's Guide to Grief, can be found on the SBS platform. Now, uh, initially, I had another plan for this podcast and then I was watching Annie's show and then on the SBS platform it said it was going to be brought down in a week's time or something, which turns out that is a mistake. But regardless, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get this out ASAP because I would really love it if you checked it out. It's so good and it's a really beautiful story and this interview is really interesting. Funnily enough, it's a bit difficult to do this interview because there were things that I wanted to talk about that happen in the series and uh, we err on the side of caution. So you don't have to worry. There are no spoilers given away and uh, towards the end, as you will hear, we work out, well, maybe Annie should come back and we should do something with her further down the track. So that gives you all uh, enough time to check it out. And uh, there's a nice little surprise in there. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but uh, if you're a fan of a particularly influential comedy from the last couple of years, you will get a little kick out of someone who does some voiceover work. 
Uh, before we get into it, a quick reminder that my new solo show, Little Victories, will be appearing at the Sydney Comedy Store on the 28th of October and in Melbourne at Comedy Republic on the 26th of November. My Big Squid listeners can access a discounted ticket by using the promo code PODCAST, so make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, Remember, my Patreon subscribers can access a super-duper discount, which you can find on the Patreon site. If you'd like access to bonus podcasts, works in progress, scripts and super discounts for live events, head to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you can find a tier that suits you. Okay, I'm really keen for you to hear this interview with Annie, so let's bring her in. He's dead. Congratulations, and thank you for choosing this state-of-the-art audio adventure through the five stages of grieving. Grief is an overwhelming emotion, not unlike the sensation of an imminent bowel motion at an inconvenient time. Any toilet paper? In this state, one might find themselves trying to fill their hole. Try to avoid an excess of alcohol, food, drugs, or sex at this time. The urge to fill multiple orifices may be strong, but none shall satiate the aching hole in your heart. How's your aching hole this morning? Please stop talking. Happiness starts with a smile It's contagious Catch it now Now this whole grief is not a good look on you They're my parents I should get to decide how they go Not my problem, cuz You can tell Dad you want to set his brother on fire So put one on and your troubles will be gone Cause happiness starts with a I've got to be honest with you, I'm really confused by everything that's going on because I've known you for over two decades now as Annie, but now that you're a serious writer, actor, creator, you're Anna. What's going on? Is this a, is this a serious choice or was this advice that you were given or what's happening? I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but just simply by changing one, um, one vowel in your name, you can really, you can really amp up the seriousness of your career. Did you right. know? Yeah. I, I you did could, not know that. Yeah. I mean, give it a shot if you like, but it's, you know, it's been, it's been life changing. No, it's just, I don't really know how that's happened. It's just, well, every, you know, me, everyone's always called me Annie. Yeah. I, my name is Anna. Yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Right. This is one of those things. Um, but yes, um, as I guess, as a professional now, that's just, that's the name I go with. Um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting story. But No, uh, but it's, it's, it's a funny thing because I couldn't find your email address today and that's because I was looking up Anna and then you sent it uh, through and then I went and it's, oh yeah, no, I've always known her as Annie. So yeah, uh, I didn't know if it was, well, now I'm a serious uh, performer. I take myself incredibly seriously. Yeah, I'll change, <laughs> I'll change maybe I, if I change my name to Dustin. Maybe suddenly I'll be. Uh, oh, or just yeah, yeah. just uh, just on, just on. Just, oh yeah, go a little bit French. Just on, just yeah. on. I think this could be this could be the key. This could be it. 
my career's about to go into the stratosphere. I better strap in and get ready for it, right? Yeah, yeah buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, congratulations on the series. I loved it. And I thought it was uh, just a, a really deft handling of some very dramatic moments, but also completely funny. Uh, the funny bits never undercut the drama, which can sometimes, like even in the biggest movies, that can be a real issue for me where someone throws in a quip at the wrong time. And, yeah. uh, and I also know that this was a series that was... Uh, and is based on uh, personal experience. And it reminded me of, uh, there's an Alan Moore quote, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I, uh, I couldn't quite find it, uh, uh, but it was, uh, he liked to, to use fiction as a scalpel to dissect true events. And when you were st at the very start of the writing process, did you set any rules for what you could use directly from your life or what was best to leave on the shelf? Like, I'm really interested to know, how you kind of juggled all of that? No, there was no real boundaries because I just wanted to spew it all out. Like there was just, there was so much there um, that I had documented already and so many things that had been like burnt into my brain, uh, these visuals that had just have stayed with me ever since. But um, I guess I was, I was aware or I just, I just had to ensure that I was, adhering to um, my version of events. So it's not me trying to tell a story on on behalf of my mum's perspective of how things happened or, you know, my sister's perspective on things. It's all, you know, it's first person. Um, and I feel because it is that, like I, you know, I'm not, I don't need to apologise for that because right. everything, I know, I know what happened and I know, I, I guess I know I was feeling like there were things that I was witnessing and things that were occurring to me in that process of like going, like being a palliative carer and, and watching my dad die on such an intimate level and what happened afterward. I just, I'd never seen that in, in that way. I hadn't been shown that in a in a film or a tv series and i felt like for whatever reason my gut was telling me that if i were to portray this with real honesty to the point that i'm going to push myself into a very uncomfortable space there's something in that for other people that have either been through it or don't know that they're going to go through it in the future um i just think there's something for just being honest and unapologetically so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did that? Have no yeah, time. yeah. No, no, no. That that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anything, I guess it was, you know, like I threw a lot out there at the beginning, and then it was a process of elimination because we had a very strict format, which I had to adhere to because SBS had given me this opportunity. Um, and they had, they were running this new initiative called Digital Originals and it was all about short form storytelling. So I had no choice but to have to work with this framework of like 10 to 12 minute episodes. And when you're doing short form, it doesn't matter 
how complex you make it, you really can't, you can't afford to go too far beyond an A story. So like, you know, it's Harry's journey, it's her perspective. Um, I've tried to make the other characters as rich and complex as possible. Um, so they all have integrity on their, like in their own right, but you can't stray, you can't do all the delicious strands too much because you you don't have the space for it. You've just got to stay with the one, the one strand, that A story. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're doing half hour, you've got your A story, B story, C story, you know, you can really elaborate and then it all weaves together. So it was right up until like trying to think whether it actually happened when we were filming, but certainly even a week before we were filming, I was having to make pretty brutal calls on losing scenes and losing, losing things that were really important to me because they happened. And that was, you know, (laughs) my poor producer was having to argue with me about the logistics side of it. And she would always do that incredibly um, respectfully. Uh, But, you know, my, my heart would just be constantly going, yeah, but this, this happened. I can't lose this in the story. I want people to know what this is like. I want people to see the reality of this. And there were just so many moments that eventually had to be lost along the way. So it's really been uh, refined and it's been put through the sieve so many times. And hopefully that essence is still there. And, um, you know, that those scenes that are pretty confronting um, just hit they hit that note to, to yeah. keep bringing us back to the reality of the situation um, in between the funnies, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think it does achieve that. And uh, it, it, funnily enough, like the last series that I've kind of watched, I've watched uh, The Bear and yeah. uh, uh, what have I been also watching? I'm back on the last season of Atlanta and with your show. It, it, like, don't get me wrong, I like a... I like a show that's, you know, an hour, an episode. I, it's not that I won't go back to that. But it's also just kind of opened up that you, you can get a lot of story done in a short yeah. amount of time. And yeah. I don't think there's anything lost in uh, any episode. Like there was never a moment that I felt like, hang on, what's this? Or this isn't hitting right. I, I thought it was all really well balanced. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's... it's um. It's just that thing as a as a storyteller and a writer, you just want you want you know where it can go, and so yeah. you want it. You want to keep it all. You want it to all be there. Um, and we really did. We had enough material for a half hour. Um, it's just once again, we just this is the format we had to work with, and it's been such a such a learning curve for me as a as a writer, and it, just to to have to work with those limitations and learn how you can what am i saying the i just think that short form is always a little dismissed um because it's often used as a way of getting your idea out there but you but sometimes it can feel a bit like it hasn't been really well developed um And, you know, like there's a reason for that too. There's also because there's hardly ever any budgets attached to it Um, and it's about people 
getting rungs on the board and saying, hey, yeah. I'm a storyteller and this is what I want to do. And then they do it on a tiny minuscule budget and then they get it out in the world and people get a flavour of who they are and what they're trying to do. And they do get to move on to the next thing with a budget, you know. Um, but for me, I didn't, this is my first, this is my first story um, as a writer, my first TV series. And I really fought against any, um, any hint at going the easy path. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted it to feel like I want people, I wanted people to feel like they're watching a half hour series. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I feel like we've achieved that. Like it, it's super packed. There's yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's dense in all the right ways and little things kind of pay off that you don't quite realize are actually even being set up. Like, yeah. uh, you know, there's, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but there is a, uh, a dream sequence that you don't kind of realize is almost, you know, if you think of time as a, five-dimensional place it's more like a flash forward isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah um and you know even the fantasy element is that's all based on reality too that was i my mental health was just shot to pieces yeah i was living in this very surreal world of yeah. isolation in a country town where i was doing the most uh, meaningful thing I think I've ever done in my life and then at the same time was losing the person that I was investing all of this um, life force into and then going, well, what's the point of anything? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is absurd. This is, yeah. What, what, yeah, what's the point? And so it was really um, the where my brain was going was it wasn't always healthy. Um, yeah. I really didn't want to shy away from that either. Um, it is, it's a tricky subject, but I, I, you know, once again, you know, that I'm someone that's advocating for conversations around death and dying and grief and what this looks like and how much we don't talk about it because there's an element of shame attached to it historically and culturally. Mm. Um, and, and it's definitely the same in terms of mental health. I know that we're learning a lot more, but I still think there's a lot of stigma around yeah. being really brutally honest about what that looks like um, yeah. and how you can appear to be functioning quite normally and successfully and inside you're being torn to pieces by your own brain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so those those fantasy elements were really important, and yeah, hopefully, yeah. Well, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I it's seen it, but you, you, it's it's interesting what you say about grief. Where you know, uh, long time listeners of this podcast know that I bang on about the leftovers all the time. Yeah, and, and when you talk about it and you say, "Oh, it's this beautiful series," that. Uh, you tell them the concept and then you say, you know, it's a, it's about all these characters and the grief that they hold and they're trying to deal with. And as soon as you say that, you just see people kind of drift away because they yeah. don't want to think about that. And, and then you're trying to explain to them, but it's really funny and it's really this and it's really that. And that's, but that's just a component of it. But it's a, it's a key word that people do not want to engage with. Absolutely. And this was, um, this has actually been a huge ongoing conversation. So, so the, 
development of the show has been three years in total. And I had, when I was pitching the idea, I had called it a beginner's guide to grief then. And throughout the process, there has been um, considered questions around whether this was the right path to go as a as a show title mm-hmm. and I completely understand why it was making certain parties nervous um, because exactly what you've just said when you say the word grief in context of something no matter how much you're selling it like this is a great show or this is a great song or you know like anything that's in the entertainment spectrum, if you add the word grief to it, people do, they glaze over. We leave our bodies. We are terrified of death. We are terrified of the idea of being in a situation whereby you might not have full control. And I think grief really cracks open a whole part of your being, which I think is actually an extraordinary gift now that's, you know, why I bang on about it so much, but I think it terrifies us until we're in it. And the only way we can really explore it and and feel ownership of it is if we, is if we acknowledge it, we push it away so much. So it's, yeah, it was really, I really fought to keep that title. And I, I was also like, you know what, if people don't get that it's dark comedy, from the title, then maybe the show is not going to be for for them right. anyway. <laughs> right, right. Um, right. Like clearly, it's a play on this idea of you know needing a manual, needing needing the dummy's guide to anything. Um, but anything big in life, there is no manual. Yeah. Um, and so it was really important, and it speaks to the whole story. Once you've seen it, you know why there. You know the importance of that title, it's threaded through the entire series. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it was a tricky one. And I'm still finding myself occasionally having to, you know, preface a conversation around it. If someone's asking about the show and they say, Oh, what's it called? A beginner's guide to grief. And they're like, Oh, and they look immediately concerned. I'm like, I just told you it's a dark comedy. You're going to yeah. be fine. Just yeah. watch it. Just watch it. There's heaps of jokes. Yeah, yeah. But it's hopefully, you know, it's one step in changing our understanding of these concepts, hopefully. (laughs) Can can you remember any of the awful titles that you came up with instead? Because I'm sure they were awful because they weren't right. Oh, they all just made me cringe. I don't even say them. They're just – and because I was having to come up with this backup list, Yeah. the idea – you, you're writing it and you're yeah. already hating it before yeah. you come up with the yeah. other options and you're just going, oh, like, yeah. well, let's call it, I think I sarcastically said, well, let's just call it a beginner's guide to happiness then, like, you know, which because <laughs> it's like, well, what, what do you want? This is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sarah, um, Harriet is sad. Harriet is happy, you know, yeah. like it's it, it, it works. Everything's going to turn out fine. That's what the show's called. Everything's yeah. going to turn out fine. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, there was, you know, I was trying to come up with, uh, you know, a few smarty pants puns oh, on yeah. death and grief and then you just feel icky about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad you went through that process. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's good to get all icky and and because it just sometimes you just need to galvanize something as well because it, 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 it makes you more articulate about backing it up by trying all these other things. Yeah, and it is. It's and it's part of the process of being a creative producer. You have to go through all of this and you have to understand where other people are coming from. There is good reason that certain people had concerns about that because they have incredible analytics now on all of our streaming services. Yeah. You can see everything in terms of what, what words we're attracted to, like what it's, it's fascinating that mm. the, that language can have such um, unconscious power over like our, our leanings yeah. Um, and yeah, and I do find it fascinating. It's all very hush hush in terms of streaming services don't share their analytics, but um, but they have so much intel on like what people are clicking on, even if they're not watching it. What what are the patterns in in people's behaviour when they're choosing a show? Yeah. Um, and I've definitely it's not up there. <laughs> it's not up there, right? Yeah. I, I've definitely seen some TV shows that have been made by algorithms, like being brought oh, together. Yeah. yeah, everyone seems to like Lost, and people like Yellowstone, and people like singing. So let's make Out of Range, which was such a batshit crazy TV show that made no sense to me. About that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People like that girl from the OC. Let's put in a girl like that. And it's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on with this TV show? And then yeah. once yeah. you learn about the algorithms, you go, ah, that yeah. makes sense and why this is so schizophrenic. Yeah. And, you know, like all of the other fabulous titles have been taken. Like one of the shows that was an inspiration for me was Daisy Haggard's series Back to Life. Right. I'm not sure if you've seen that. It's a beautiful series. Um, once again, dark comedy, uh, and she uh, she created it and stars in it, um, and it's just such a beautiful it, it, that back to life thing. It just it so perfectly encapsulates what that story is, and it would have worked well in my, for my show too. But no, that one is yeah. still been taken. And you know, there's Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. Yeah, um, you know, all those kind of like puns or. Um, death specific terms were already out there and there's also another show i don't know have you seen flowers the uh, no i haven't seen it show. but i know of it oh justin you've got to watch that right you really need to watch it yeah it, it's batshit for the first like the first episode you have no idea what is going on and and I love that he was so adamant that it had to be that way so that you start to become part of this frantic, chaotic universe for the rest of the series and then you are part of that family. But, you know, once again, the it's called Flowers for a reason. Right. Um, and in terms, you know, it's, it's, it's very dark um, and brilliant, but I highly recommend you watch that. But that was also um, a show that really helped like it kind of unconsciously gave me permission when I saw that I was like, this guy is brilliant. He has made a very, very conscious choice to send us into chaos from the, from the first moment. And that is what I then chose to do um, with beginner's guide. Um, really just, there's no warning. You're just in it straight yeah. away. You're in the deep end and you're, you know, you're paddling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you have to catch up. 
Yeah. Which, uh, one of the things that uh, really appealed to me, and uh, th- th- sometimes there's a bit of cultural cringe with this kind of stuff, but yeah. it felt very Australian. Uh, the Everything from the audio mix uh, to the sense of humour. I, I noticed these things. Being from uh, the, the, the magpie uh, sounds in the morning scenes yeah. was giving me flashbacks because I, I lived opposite uh, uh, Adelaide High School uh, yeah. Sorry, Croydon High School Oval. So that was a that was a noise that was my youth. So it's a very specific thing, and I could just hear it mixed low in the audio. It always gave me a sense of where the time was, and then also the like the the, the sense of humour is very Australian in all the great ways. And I was wondering, it, was that a specific choice, or was that just coming out naturally in the way that you wrote? I think. I think it's both. It it comes naturally to me because of where I've grown up. So I'm from regional South Australia. This is how people have always spoken and behaved. Like it's a, it's just a very specific cultural thing, but I think it resonates for most of Australia. Like there's elements of it that people can relate to, but yes, it was a very conscious choice to keep it that specific and, you know, what you're saying about the sound as well, like the audio choices, the magpies were very specific. I was looking for and I was really trying to challenge myself to think about things that you just kind of overlook, like you go, oh, well, it's a morning, it's a morning scene, let's throw down a morning bird track. And it's like, well, what are the birds that I've grown up with? Like, How specific can I be to the Barossa Valley region yeah. where I was raised um, and the sounds that I was hearing whilst I was in the middle of this absolute fuck storm, you're having these beautiful birds, these magpies are warbling outside your window and you're catching these moments of absolute beauty whilst you're in pure hell yeah. <laughs> inside. Um, so all of those things were really specific conscious choices to the point that, um, you know, one of the big things that appealed from SBS's point of view when they were, when they'd chosen to develop the series uh, was the the bizarre Germanness of this town as well, because that's yeah. also very unique. It's very South Australian. Um, yeah. And even within South Australia, like there's a lot of people that don't have a connection to that or, you know, know what, it's like being in a community like uh, Handorf in the Adelaide Hills or the Barossa Valley, where there is a whole there's a there's a reason that this culture exists um, because of the German heritage. But it's it's so specific, and the hangover of that, the things that people still cling to, are really they're it's quirky. It's yeah. really it's quirky as fuck, and I really wanted to play into that as well because. I take it for granted that that's just normal. Yeah. I meet other people or, you know, like over the years being in relationships and stuff and people come to visit you in your hometown and it's like, what the fuck is this place? It's yeah. weird. Um, no one uses the word sausage here. Everything's just the, the worst, you know. Um, and so I tried to throw in as many, you know, sausagey worst jokes Um that are not at all phallic, at all. <laughs> no. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <laughs> Not. There was no way. It was... I bless them that one of the one of the reoccurring notes that I received from different parties over the months of developing the story was do you think maybe there's just a little too many dick jokes? <laughs> and I was like, that's it, I'm gonna add another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. Never enough. Oh, my Lord, that is uh, spoken like a true comedian right there. <laughs> Not, uh, you think there's too many? Here come another three. Yeah, watch out. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, a lot of the characters. I had a real empathy uh, for a character that maybe I wasn't meant to early on, and that's the auntie. I, I really had a lot of affection for her. Uh, the Right. You know, because... You know, like there, I could see the annoying qualities of her from Harriet's point of view, but I could also see she's a really good person and she's just doing her best, and her yeah. best is fucking annoying. But yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's something fascinating. Uh, you know, I, I've had a few of the listeners who have already watched your series who have written to me and they've talked about how they've, you know, lost a, a parent recently, and and they, they've all had that person who's tried to kind of take over the funeral. And yeah. uh, wh- wh- why do you think that is? Is it is it is it almost like a panicky thing of oh god, I've got to try and help out in some way? So. And they misunderstand that you're okay, that they that they try to help you too much? Yeah, I think it is once again, it's like a it's a cultural um discomfort that's been there for generations whereby when death is present, people people behave in really weird ways. And as do you, as the person that's lost someone dear to you you can be pretty out there as well in terms of your behaviour, let alone your thoughts. But I think, and that's, I'm so glad to hear you speak about that character in that way, the Arnie Barb character, because she is, she's like annoying as fuck for Harry. But like all of the characters really, except maybe Isaiah, the creepy cousin, you know, like everyone's got a good heart. They're just, well, no, him too. He loves his dog. Where he really loves his dog. Um, We are always just doing the best from where we are with what we know. And sometimes that best can be really fucking annoying. Um, But it's all coming from a place of good intention. Yeah. Um, It's just sometimes our good intentions 
uh, can overwhelm or override us actually tuning into what's happening in a situation or what's going on for someone else. Um, and so I, you know, that it was really important that she, for me, that people still respected her and, and, you know, as the journey goes on, that we really understand that there's, there's a reason she is the way she is. And everyone in this story has, has got their own version of grief that they've been through and, and we have different coping strategies. And this was another, you know, because she's also a very religious character, um, that's that's also based on my reality and my surroundings, whereby, you know, even my immediate family, the majority of them um, on my father's side in particular, are very religious and very Lutheran. So Lutherans are like a whole new level of mm. Christian, you know, um, and I find it um, I find it really challenging, um, but I also see how much comfort um, and peace they have in their hearts because they believe in this structure, this this idea um, that is that is their truth, and it gives them absolute comfort in the most extreme circumstances. And one thing I it, it only hit me as I was writing the show that there's a reason that religion is often really strong in regional areas in Australia when you're in agricultural territory. You need a God to pray to because you are fucking relying on them to deliver some rain yeah, um, and to switch off that rain when you needed to stop because you're growing crops and that is your livelihood. Um, and they work around the clock, like all year round. Farmers are just, they never stop. They never sleep. They're always on guard about what is happening next. And, you know, I think there is, there's real validity in people needing something bigger than themselves to have absolute faith in that things are going to be okay, even in the most extreme times. Um, and so it was important for me to show, like, I, I didn't ever want to discredit their their views on things. It's just that it's very different from Harry's views. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was something my mum and I, after Dad passed away, um, we talked about that a lot because we were seeing people in our family that were just so just so happy in a way, like they would say things that I made me want to punch them in the face. Like, you know, he's with, he's with Jesus now. Like just picture it. He's having an amazing time. I'm like, that's your projection. Yeah. Please shut the fuck up. Like that's yeah. not fair for you. All I can see is my dad choking in the last few seconds of his life. Like don't, don't tell me he's at peace. Like it's, it's just a tricky thing, but at the same time, you know, mum and I would talk about it and she would say, I, I envy them. I, I envy that undoubtable belief, that unquestionable, unshakable belief in this idea of God whereby they can, that just gives them a reason to get up in the morning. And for mum, that wasn't the case. Everything was crumbling around her and she was about to die too. You know, like 
there was nothing yeah. saying that that shit was okay. And um, and so yeah, but I I just I see the the value in it. I get it. It's just that thing of like knowing knowing where your ideas um, can maybe. I, I just think, I think our ideas we need to we need to show our ideas through our actions rather than like pushing them onto someone else and yeah. assuming that that's right for them. Yeah, um, that's interesting because one of the notes that I'd written down, uh, I wrote heaps of notes for uh, this. We've known each other for a long time. It's the first time I've ever written down notes for us. Uh, but did you it, hear that? I just did a nervous snort, like, oh, shit, I'm getting notes. <laughs> no, no, it's good. But it was uh, uh, one of the notes I'd written down was that for me, you know, my interpretation of the series was it was about a young woman attempting to find faith and grace in her life while dealing with inside and outside forces. And to be an atheist and still look for these qualities can be misunderstood and, and can be tricky to everybody else. But you... Uh, mm it's ultimately rewarding because you're not using a set of ideals set up by someone else uh, mm. and you're, you're finding your own way to guide yourself through. So I was going to ask you about that. Where, where have you found grace and faith in your life and not have to rely on anyone else? Um, in the moment I watched my dad stop breathing. Yeah. Honestly, I can't um, – I still cannot find the words – whenever this situation occurs where I try to talk about it also without sounding like a fucking wanker um, or like suddenly an enlightened person. I am far from enlightened. But but that moment did change everything for me. Yeah. was, and um, I have talked about this before, but once again, there's a moment in the show in that final episode which can be interpreted in a number of ways. And for some people it might might just be like, she's just staring at some trees, you know, but there is a moment where she's interacting with nature, taking it in, um, which is based on the moment that just after my dad had passed away, I was the only one in the room at the time. And it takes you a minute to realize what's happened. And so I was just watching and I was holding his hand. Um, And I honestly felt like for a second, I don't know how long it happened for, and I didn't know what was happening in the moment, but I felt like whatever was going on for him, it was like he was leaving his physical vessel, his body behind and he was getting out of the room. Like he was, he just wanted to expand. Um, and in that process, I got taken with him um, right. because all all that happened for me was that suddenly I wasn't in the room anymore and I was just outside the window and then I wasn't even just outside the window. I was, um, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm pointing because I'm yeah. looking at exactly the same thing, but we have, I don't know how many gum trees surrounding our property, but it was suddenly uh, I was aware that I was kind of above all of the trees at once or and in between the trees at the same time, and I was watching every leaf on every tree within the foreseeable distance. <laughs> um, 
doing a little dance. Like it was just, I was just watching every leaf kind of move on its own accord. And at some point I came back into my body and realized that I was holding my dad's hand and that he was completely still and that he was gone. Yeah. And nothing that I'd cared about, everything that I'd invested in before that moment, it's like suddenly none of that mattered. I just gave zero shits about anything after seeing those leaves. I don't know what it just, it just gave me this sense of, I know nothing. I've, n- I've completely misunderstood what life is and that all we are is a bunch of fucking leaves having a dance for a minute and everyone's dance is different and we're all going to drop from the tree at a different moment and that's none of our business. Just enjoy the dance. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, 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 my, that's my grace. That's my spirituality now. That's the thing I go to. Um, and it just kept showing up everywhere after that and not in like a, I think everyone goes through a phase of like wanting signs from that person and you just want, just want something. You want a little, little hint that they're okay or that they're talking to you or just give me a little something. And so you are looking for those things, but that this wasn't that because I hadn't even realized I hadn't cognated that this had really happened until afterward. Um, But it's like I had a fresh set of eyeballs. It was like he just ripped them out on his way out the window um, and suddenly colour looked different and sound had a new clarity and I just was kind of wandering through life in this catatonic state of awe. (laughs) So it was kind of a zombie but taking in everything like a newborn And then you had all the shit going on around you. So like the real world stuff, like people turning up on your doorstep every five seconds and walking through your house without asking, like just everyone arriving at your house from the community. Um, So there was all of that stuff happening, but I was just, there was this bubble in me that was just untouchable. And I just felt a happiness I've never known before and an extreme grief that I'd never known before. And it was just all there at once. And I couldn't, I couldn't express that to anyone. And it also felt like if I tried to, I'd either be locked up or, um, or smacked. Like, can you right. just you know, like tone it down? This is a, this is a heavy time. So, you know, you have to be, you just got to sit with that stuff. But yeah, um, I think that's really, for me, that's the, that's the big game changer. And I'd also, you know, like I'd had my own near death experience, uh, about three years before that. No, no, hang on. No, it was only a year before when I ended up in a, um, what do you call it? Like an induced coma. And I remember the moment where I let go, where I just went, Oh, this is me going. I'm, I'm done. And it felt amazing. Right. (laughs) And then I know I remember the moment of coming back um, where I just suddenly had this surge of energy and suddenly I was awake and I was in a hospital bed in a hospital ward, not knowing what the hell was going on. And, but just feeling like I could 
smash through the window and run a marathon. Like all I wanted to do was run. I just, this aliveness in my body that I'd never felt before or could never remember. Um, so there's the, those two things are the things that really give me a sense of life and guidance if I'm feeling a bit um, confused about anything or lost. It's kind of like just remember that or, you know, if you get a bit big for your boots when you, something exciting happens, you're like just just keep it in perspective. You're just a fucking yeah. leaf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still enjoy it though. Like don't, don't not enjoy things but um... – Totally. Yeah. Like, enjoy it. That's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. Have a goddamn dance. Yeah. Just dancing. You you know, another reason not to share it is because you don't know what the other person might say. You like, you, you know, when you share something really poignant with someone and like then the I other person. And now. Oh, yeah. And then what, what I should have done is said, yeah, that reminds me of a basketball game I played when I was 11. And you go, fuck, mate, they are different things. You've ruined it. <laughs> but no, seriously, for a moment there, I'm looking at you on the screen and I'm going. Shit, maybe I've just shared something and you're about to, like, this is not resonating for you at all. No. It's a terrifying thing to yeah. be completely fucking honest. But I've got nothing to lose. Like, uh, yeah. just, at this point in life, this was the other thing that occurred to me when Dad died was just, oh, my God, none of the shit I cared about. Like, none of that means anything. And why have I spent my life being so worried about what anyone thinks of me? Because I'm never going to be them. I'm never going to know really what's driving anyone else's thinking. And if I just focus on like what feels right and like doing some good things, like trying to put some good things into the world, if I'm not trying to hurt anyone in the process, that can't really go wrong. Like even if it's a pile of shit, it felt good right. to make. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's been liberating. Yeah. I, I feel like we're in uh, similar places creatively. Like uh, I, I very much resonate with uh, what you're saying about oh, who gives a shit. This is what I'm going to create. And yeah. so, you know what? It's fine if you don't like it. Like it, it's oh, fine if, if you come along and you see something and you go, nah, but I, I need to get it out of me. I need to express it. I need to, and I'll do my best to express it in a way that is as entertaining as possible and yeah. give as many jumping on points for you to enjoy it. But if it's not for you, that is 100% fine. So fine. It really doesn't matter because there's a yeah. gazillion other things that other people will resonate with. And that's none of our business either. Yeah. But, you know, just the, the other reality is that everything that we feel that we're alone in, there's definitely another person on, on this planet right now that is going through their version of that. So yeah. even if it's just one person that gets to experience your work yeah. and goes, oh, my God, that, that feels like me. <laughs> like, yeah. You make them visible in that moment. You make them seen. And that's that's more valuable than anything, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. just one human to another going, Hey, I see you. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Keep fucking going. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. No. You know, uh something I didn't know about the series which really hit hard for me was uh, the use of Glenn Nicholas as your dad. Like, I've been such a Glenn fan since, the, you know, the big gig. And so it was like, so I knew the story because we're friends. And then uh, yeah. then it was like, oh, no, it's Glenn Nicholas. <laughs> it kind of hit me twice. Yeah. And he's great. 
Isn't he beautiful? He was, he's, he's just divine. I just yeah. I cannot believe how lucky we got casting him. Um, he's didn't even know that he was in South Australia. Like the, the way that he even ended up on our radar is, this is crazy. There's just so many serendipitous things that unfolded along the way between a lot of shit, like just trying to get the show up was such a challenge on so many levels because we were in COVID times. Um, but Glenn was doing a show at the State Theatre Company and we uh, actually my producer Linda had been, you know, researching every avenue possible, looking for the right person for this role. And they knew how much it meant to me to find the right guy to play my father, even though we don't see that that father character a lot in the series it's so it was so fundamental for me like we we had to find the right essence and it's not that I was trying to replicate my dad but I needed to feel his essence I needed to I needed the audience to understand how much you could just fall in love with this person like how, how they would have an effect on people in their life and Glenn came in to audition for us and just even the way that he walked in the room just had everyone like kind of just shift, something shifted and he was just so, I mean, he, as you know, he's funny as fuck. He's just, yeah. he's incredible and it's always on, yeah. not in an annoying way. He just, yeah. that's just how he thinks. Yeah. Um, but he has such a grace about him and he just came in the space and introduced himself to everybody and we sat down he sat down next to me and he's like should we do this I was like yeah okay and we did the scene we did one of the scenes together and he just and he asked if he could like take my hand um I was like yes absolutely and so he just touched my arm and looked at me and he was immediately in tears right. and I was in tears and he said maybe one sentence and I was a mess and and he left the room and I just looked at Linda and said, that's him, like yeah. we got him. Yeah. Um, and everyone, everyone in the room was in tears and it was, yeah. it's just the tiniest snippet of um, of a little event between um my dad and I, it's the, it's the, um, it's the vegetable. I don't know if you recall the vegetable line, Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but he was just, yeah, he just nailed it. And so good. he was just incredible to work with. And I was completely nerding out the whole time, just going like, I just wanted to know everything about his life yeah. and he has the best stories, incredible stories from his career. Yeah. Just an incredible body of work he is on his own. Like just, um, and I would really love to work with him again. I, was, I just, I just want to keep working with him because he's, yeah, he's exquisite and he deserves to be on TV. Yeah. Like we, we should be seeing him on TV all the time. He's yeah. just, he's divine. Um, he, look, he looks super handsome too. Like he's aged he's beautifully. He's so handsome. He's yeah. aged so beautifully. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's a very dapper lad. 
Yeah. God, if yeah. I was there, I would have been a pain in the ass. I would have been like, can you do that mime bit where you're stoned and the police guy's uh, on the motorbike chasing you? Like there's so many things from the big gig that I remember yeah. that, um, yeah, that was that was a beautiful uh, surprise to see his face pop up and immediately just go, great, this is great. Yeah. yeah. And it uh, was nice. Um, actually, I think it was Will that had, is he part of the this ABC um, anniversary Ah, he might have been. Anderson did like a Q&A thing and I just, I saw the shorts for it and and it was just before, it was like two weeks before the show came out and and I wasn't really paying attention. I was doing something and suddenly I hear Will Anderson talking about Glenn Nicholas and I was like, what, what's going on? And I just, it was just amazing timing and it's so lovely to hear people like yourself referencing him and that there are so many friends that I didn't realise were huge appreciators, like big yeah. fans of him. Um, and now I'm getting all these lovely messages going, oh, my fucking God, yeah. you're Glenn. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might yeah. be time to, you know, get a get a Glenn resurgence going. That would be a yeah, nice true. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, we, uh, I have actually so many more things I want to talk about, but we are running out of time. So would you come back and continue talking about your series? Cause I, I'd like to give people an opportunity to watch it and then maybe we can discuss, uh, certain parts of it that, you know, yeah. cause I don't, I, I want people to watch it and know as little as possible. Uh, th- there was one thing that I, one of my notes, I don't even want to tell people who the voice of the... Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a, I think it's so cool, and I think it's a real surprise. So I kind of want people to watch it and go, "Holy shit!" So maybe okay. we could discuss that next time if that's all right. Yeah, we totally can. Yes, I think it's cool as shit too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's absolutely cool as shit. That is, yeah. uh, that's uh, an opportunity. That's all the leaves dancing right there. So oh, yeah. Any- there, anyway. were, there were leaves dancing in in every limb of my body. It was just, <laughs> it was it was a wonderful thing to have that come together. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll we'll let people watch it and then discover who that is. But then uh, come back and we'll discuss how he got on board. I still yeah. want to. Uh, I still want to discuss. I really. Uh, I've just got to look up her name. Uh, who was the. Oh, where did I write it? Oh, Cassandra Sorrell. Is yeah. that how you pronounce it? I loved her so much. She was so yeah. good. Um, so you'll have to yeah, come back. We'll, we'll give everyone time to watch it. Now, the thing is it's not finishing in a week. It's going to be there no. permanently. No. Right? no. Just ignore that little warning on yeah. the BS On Demand carousel. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's not going to be gone in a week. Um, right. They have invested too heavily to, for it to disappear in a week's time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've been all over the weekend to my Patreon subscribers. Hey, you fucking got to watch this. It's only got a week to go. So uh, no. it's good to, good to know they've got a bit more time. But um, yeah. congratulations. It's really wonderful. I'm so impressed and it's really inspiring to watch it and uh, uh, you as a person uh, to achieve this, everything that I know you've gone through, I think you've done a phenomenal job of telling a beautiful story. It's really funny. You look so beautiful on the screen as well. I think I sent you a screen grab at one, uh, a shot going, holy shit. The, the, you look fantastic. So I'm, I just loved it and I'm so impressed. Oh, thank you, Justin. God, that's the, 
I'm glad there's going to be a record of this. I need to replay that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I sent you a text message saying that I was proud of you. So now you've got yeah. it on. I am proud of you. And now you've yeah. got it as audio. So yeah. I'm stoked. Uh, where, where, where can people find you on uh, social media to uh, let you know um, how much they love uh, it? On the Instas, I guess, is probably the, the easiest. Instagram, um, Anna Luxlin, you'll see there's just, it'll be the one with the shitload of promotion around a beginner's guide to grief. <laughs> yep, yep, um, which which is what uh, social media is for. So that is a good thing. Exactly, yeah. Right. All right, <laughs> lovely to speak to you. Well done. Thank you, my dear. So lovely to chat with you. We'll chat again soon. Definitely. Thank you to Annie for being my guest today. And as I said at the top, her show, A Beginner's Guide to Grief, is so wonderful. It's going to be around for a little while, but I would love it if you could just really get into it ASAP. So check that out on the SBS app. Uh, And you know what? Please watch it. Tweet about it. TikTok it. Is that what you do? Do you TikTok something? God, what a terrible way to make yourself sound really old. But anyway, whatever you can do to get the word of mouth out there for this wonderful series would be deeply appreciated. I'll be back on Thursday with Ben Elwood as we kickstart Space Podacy for Season 6 with a look back on the criminally underrated 2002 remake of Solaris. In the meantime, you can join us on Patreon. And uh, if money's a bit tight, and I totally get that, and you would like to support this podcast, a top review on Apple Podcasts is uh, also a really wonderful thing that you can do for us. Let's finish today with a quote from author Washington Irving. There is a sacredness in tears. They are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and of unspeakable love. Until then. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.